building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is the Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. All right, welcome, Giant Builders. It's Lois Wyant again, and I have a special guest today. In which case, this is the author of Shocking Marriage. So it's a great book. I read it. I would recommend it. Matter of fact, if you leave a comment below, we're going to give three people a free copy of the book. So just so you know, you can actually get a copy of the book free. So the guest is Jerry McColgan. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Hi, Lois. I'm great. Thank you. Great. So tell us, Jerry, um, what inspired you to write this book and start this ministry? I guess the short answer is I love marriage. I, I love being married. I love the concept of marriage. Um, you know, even when I was a kid, I aspired to be married. You know, it's not like a little girl who dreams of a wedding. I could care less about the wedding. It was just fascinated by this notion of spending life with what I anticipated would be my best friend. And I've now been married 39 years, and that's exactly what I have encountered. And, and I just can't imagine having gone through the past 39 years with anybody else or without my wife. Great. I love the fact that you share a lot of very personal items in this book as far as your marriage and your growth. Um, God's inspiration for that? It, very much so. It's uh, by nature, I'm a very transparent person. And it's funny, much more transparent than my wife. So I have to get her blessing before I can put anything in print <laughs> because she has editing rights to uh, certain stories. Um, but yeah, I do believe that the best way to learn is by hearing from others that have been through some things. Mm -hmm. And that was really the goal through the book is, you know what, in the 39 years we've been married, we've learned a ton. And there's mistakes we've made and, and situations we found ourselves in, which were unpleasant, that we managed to work through. And if somebody else can benefit from what we've learned, you know, God bless them. That, that's fantastic. Not everybody has to go through the same struggles, um, you know, to learn themselves. I think sometimes we can learn from others. And it, you know, it, that transparency, while maybe a little on the awkward side, if it benefits somebody, I think it's well worth it. What do you feel or what do you think creates a successful marriage? I think there's a variety of things. Um, I think three things really stand out. I mentioned transparency. I think transparency with spouse is critical, right? It, it's funny because we think about this, you know, as believers, we know we can't hide anything from God, but I'm a firm believer. We really shouldn't hide anything from our spouse. And just as, uh, you know, untold truths or hidden secrets or, or, or sins, um, they have a way of just eating at the relationship. Because even if they don't know what's going on, your spouse can always suspect something. And, and even that suspicion in the air sort of just starts to erode things a bit. So it's important to be transparent with your spouse. I think the second thing that I'm a big believer in is, is vulnerability. You know, we live in a world where it's important to be tough and strong and, and put forth a certain image. But I think when, when we're with our spouse, it's critical that we share our fears, we share our anxieties, that we don't try to go through life alone. Uh, again, I don't think God intended that. I mean, when he talks about, you know, husband and wife will become one flesh, I think there's a lot there being said that 
one flesh is experiencing things together and working through things together. And vulnerability is important. And, 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 you know, sometimes we have the best of intentions. You know, I've had situations and I talk about one in the book where, you know, seven or eight years ago, my business was nearly failing, truth be told. I mean, the bills were still coming in, but the, for whatever reason, the, the uh, income just stopped. And I was trying to hide that from Tara, my wife. I was, in my mind, I was protecting her. I didn't want her to worry. So I was going to shoulder this burden on my own, but things got worse quickly. And there was a given Saturday morning where, you know, she just could tell, I think I'd just come from my home office and I'd been on QuickBooks online and it was bleak. And she saw that and she wanted to know what was going on. And finally I told her, I said, look, it's bad. I'm sorry. Um, she goes, well, what's the situation? I said, well, we could lose the business. We could lose our house. We might have to declare bankruptcy. And I went through this whole thing. And she calmly looked at me and she said, well, what's the worst that could happen? And the question sort of antagonized me a bit. I said, what do you mean? What's the worst that could happen? We could end up living under a bridge. And she looked me in the eye and she said, if that happens, we'll live under a bridge together. And to me, that was a turning point. I quit fretting. And we actually sat there for the first time in this situation and began to pray together about it. And I'll tell you what, it's, it, was, it was just like Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, where it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, give it to God. And a peace that surpasses understanding will, will come over you. And that's what happened, Lois. It was incredible. We prayed. And for the first time in months, I felt this peace. And you know what happened? The following Monday, this on a weekend, we did this. The following Monday, the phone started ringing. Business started coming back in. It's almost like God was trying to teach me a lesson. You're not in this alone. You're in this with your spouse, right? Don't shoulder it. Take it together and make it work. And as soon as I was willing to do that, things turned around. I feel that like our marriage, so we've been married for 37 years, but I feel like there were certain times where things really were hard. You know, and I, I don't know if it's normal for marriages, but like it was really hard having more than one child. Right. You know, once we added children, then it was like as a as a mom and a woman, I felt like, man, there's just not enough time for all of this. No. And then this the other time that I felt was really difficult was when our last child left the house, you know, left leaving us as empty nesters. Oh. I didn't know who we were. Right. Do you find those things normal or what would you suggest for those times? Oh, they're absolutely normal. Um, so, and they're very related, those two specific situations. And we coach a lot of couples and uh, we spend a lot of time and we hear what you just described over and over and over again. And statistics back it up. I mean, one of the highest points of divorce in a marriage is when the couple becomes empty nesters. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is just what you said. Who are you? You know, you, you wake up one day and you look across the breakfast table and say, what was your name again? And I say that half jokingly, but we live in a culture that puts so much emphasis on children, right? The children sort of rule the, rule the roost. You know, it's their activities, their hobbies, their sports, their concerts. And as parents, we want them to succeed. We want them to do well. And we put all of our time and emotional energy into their upbringing. And what happens is in our minds, 
we put the marriage on the back burner. We think we'll get back to that someday. But right now I've got to put myself into the kids. I've got to pour myself into my career, et cetera. The reality is that someday just doesn't come. There's always something precluding it. So it takes intentionality throughout every phase of marriage to focus on it and, and to say, we're going to make it better. We're going to invest in this marriage. Um, things which aren't invested in erode, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a concept in physics called entropy and, and, and God designed physics after all. And, and entropy basically says that if something is not tended to, it will erode, it will, it will get worse. And that's true in nature. That's true in, in construction. That's true in home maintenance. That's true in a marriage. If we don't tend to it, if we don't invest in it on an ongoing basis, it, the relationship will start to erode. So the advice there is, even with kids, even with lots of kids, um, even with careers, you've got to say, my marriage is a priority and I'm going to invest in it. So what do you see? What are the reflections of a successful marriage? I think looking back, you know, it, it really is about doing life together and being a team, right? We've been through fantastic times and celebrated together. We've been through serious times of grief and we've, we've mourned together. Um, you know, allowing each other to do life in their own way is important, but doing it in your own way is different than doing it independently if that makes sense, right? I can appreciate how Tara's going through something, but that doesn't mean I have to let her alone or leave her alone to do it and vice versa. You know, I need to support her in how she's going through something and vice versa. So it, it really is shouldering these burdens. Even that story I told is a team and not as individuals. Um, because as, as you start, I, I was talking to a couple last week and good Christian couple, but uh, you know, they were, going through a tough period. And she was just commenting to me. She says, you know, he just doesn't understand what I'm going through. He doesn't get it. And, and she was grieving in her own way and he was trying, but she bottom line is she was really unwilling to kind of share what she was going through. And, and after we talked to her, we said, you know, he can't know what you're going through unless you open up and talk to him about it. And he was willing to listen. She just, again, kind of like in my story, she didn't want to burden him with it. But when she did, she not only got it off of her chest, but he came to a better understanding and the relationship began to heal. So are the, do you find that there are certain common items that come up that reflect on a marriage not being successful? You know, like you said, the communication. Selfishness, I think, is the biggest yeah. single thing, right? And, and think about selfishness. Selfishness leads to lack of commitment. Selfishness can lead to infidelity in an extreme case. Uh, it can lead to poor communication. Um, I'm a big believer. It's funny. When, when we're in the dating phase of relationships, our entire focus is on that person we're pursuing, right? It's like, I will do anything to please you, to impress you, to wow you. And that's 100% of our attention. 
but I, I believe that at some point in the marriage and it's, you know, maybe right after the honeymoon phase, whenever that ends, it's almost like a mirror gets inserted between the couple. And, and instead of seeing my spouse hundred percent, like I did suddenly I'm seeing myself and, and my attention shifts from how can I meet your every need to why aren't you meeting my needs? Right. And so when I work with couples, what I try to say is, look, it's not about being selfless because that's not healthy either, but maybe pull the mirror halfway out. So at least with one eye, you see your spouse and the other eye, you see your own needs. And that reminds me of a, you got us started on a um, marriage program or marriage um, seminar series. And I remember one of the stories they shared was, the wife had a hard time remembering to close the kitchen door mm-hmm. and he kept nagging at her to close the kitchen door, close this door. And one time one of the kids ran through the kitchen and hit the door with her head and had to get stitches. And then he thought, well, now she'll close the door, but she still couldn't. So he took it as his mission to close the kitchen door for her. Yeah. And I think that so many times we think, so much about what the other person's not doing for us instead of seeing that God's telling us that that might be part of our mission field um, is to do that for them, especially if it's something that bothers us um, that doesn't reflect a concern on the other person. A great example too, that I lived in my life. We had a friend who was widowed at a young age. And I remembered before her husband passed in an accident, Um, she would always complain that he would leave his socks on the bedroom floor and that just drove her crazy. And then he passed unexpectedly. And we talked to her a few weeks later and she just said, I'd give anything to pick up his socks again. Right. Yeah. So sometimes, Hey, that kitchen cabinet door is open, but I've got a wife that I love who left it there, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just changing your perspective. We can choose to be irritated or we can choose to be forgiving. Really, our perspective is, is, is a matter of choice, right? And, and so many times we just choose to be irritated mm-hmm. and taking a conscious step backwards and saying, hmm, it doesn't have to be. It's funny, just last weekend, we went to a festival here and we'd been looking forward to it from weeks. I had family up to go to it and we got there and it was pouring down rain. It was 45 degrees. It was could have been miserable. And I kind of looked at him. I said, you know, we could all sit here and grouse about this day, or we could look at this and say, you know what, this is going to be very memorable because of what we're enduring. Let's choose to make it a memory and not misery. And, and it was funny just saying that shifted everybody's mindset from grousing, grousing, grousing to sort of laughing about it, saying, could it get worse? And then the wind picked up. <laughs> <laughs> but when it was all said and done, we came back, sat around the fire and we laughed. And how wonderful that was, as opposed to just grumbling and complaining the whole time. Yeah, because sometimes we have a picture in our mind as to how we want it to be instead of thinking about the fact that we're with the people that are important to us. That's right. That's right. You know what? Every day that I'm with Tara is is a blessing from God, and I view it as such. And if I say that to myself and I thank God every day for it, it helps to set my perspective And I'm not as irritated if I see something undone or something not as I think it should be. So we choose our perspective and that's a key. Well, tell me about your ministry. Okay. 
So, um, God, I really do believe that God has led me into this. And uh, it started with writing a couple of books. So, so I have the book Shocking Marriage, which you referenced. I have another book called Beyond the Celebration, which is targeted toward engaged couples or couples seriously considering marriage. Um, and, and I've been able to speak on those books and work with couples using those books. And, and that really was sort of the genesis of, of the ministry. But in this past year, we really have felt God's leading to take it to another level. So we have moved to a beautiful place in the mountains of North Carolina. And our goal is to sometime starting next year to begin to open our home to couples for in-home uh, marriage retreats, just like a three-night, four-day kind of a program where we will work with them. And, and again, it's not for couples on the ropes. It's not for desperation. It's for those that are like maybe a little bored, feel a little complacent or, or to saying, hey, we're good, but we want to get better. And it'll be a mix of, of workshop material, sort of mornings and evenings. But the afternoon, we will send couples out together to do something fun around here. I mean, and there's so much to do. There's whitewater rafting in the summer and hiking and skiing in the winter. And we've chosen a place where there's tremendous activities and, and things that will entertain couples. And it's a, it's a desirable place to visit. Great. All right. So where will they be able to find out information about your um, programs? Um, the programs page is just being developed right now, okay. but they can go to shockingmarriage.com and keep an eye on that. And I have a podcast called Shocking Marriage, and uh, I have a Facebook page called Shocking Marriage, and they can join that. And that's a great place to interact with other couples and, and ask questions about marriage and share thoughts and comments. Um, but, you know, since we we just moved to North Carolina in this this couple of months ago now, and we're in the process of getting everything established. So I don't have the program piece up yet. Still working hard on it. It'll be there soon. Okay. Well, thank you. So any other tips or thoughts you want to share with us? I'll tell you, just invest. Intentionality is my favorite word, right? When you focus on marriage, when you're intentional about making it better, it gets better, right? If you want to get better at a golf game, what do you do? You take lessons, you practice. If you want to get better at marriage, you don't just go through the motions. You focus on it. You practice. You try things. Um, do new things with your spouse. I'll tell you, it's funny. I mean, 39 years of marriage, we moved to North Carolina, and it's like we're dating again because everything's new, right? We're, we're finding a church. We're, we're exploring. We're driving. We're hiking. We're kayaking. We are more active than we've been. We've done more in the past three months than we've done in the past two years, mm -hmm. and it's, it's because we've done something new together. So consider that not doesn't have to be a big move, but just little things, do something new together. Cause that's what you did when you were dating. That's when it was exciting. If you've fallen into routine, you've fallen into complacency. That's when boredom strikes. Okay. Well, thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.